episode 179? That sounds right, but I can't prove it. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Epps, a.k.a. Wilson, with me as always. Uh, Dave McBrady, Family Master, uh, Dreaming of Mouth. Oh, God. Dreaming of what? <laughs> listen, go listen to Mouth Dreams. It's very good. I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't Google it. Is it is a mashup a album that was recently put out. Okay. Very good. Admiral Akbar approves, huh? Listen, it's all. I'm going to force Wales to listen to large portions of it later. It's uh. Well, let's just say that one of the mashups involved. Uh, was it? There's, there's a lot. I've been listening to it a lot. Uh, a <laughs> mashup of Super Freak and Psycho Killer. Okay. So if you're aware of either of those songs, there's a lot to be said about that. Like I said, it's yeah. horrifying. <laughs> or at least the original one I listened to is horrifying. Oh man, there are four mouth albums and you need to listen to all of them. <laughs> Do I? Yes. No. Psycho killer. Beds on fire. Okay. But yeah. And last person to introduce himself. Oh, I haven't yet. Okay. Yes, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Monogatari. Currently trying to figure out why I can't connect to Nintendo eShop. That is odd. Huh. You know, it's, it's not it's, like... It's Minecraft Boy hasn't like even my... been released yet. <laughs> It's deciding it doesn't really, um, the Switch has decided it doesn't really like my internet connection again. Oh, that sucks. Well, you can Despite always... having just gotten an automatic um, update for a game. So. You can always buy stuff off of Nintendo's website directly. Mm. I do that all the time. Yes, but if it's decided it doesn't know my internet connection, then it can't download anything anyway. That's true. <laughs> So yeah, we took a week off, and I guess we shouldn't have taken a week off, huh? I don't know why you'd say that. We've got a lot of questions. Yeah, but a lot of those happened in the past week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's see. Where is my copy of Fire Miner's long ass Q and A list? We Here should we also maybe get uh, hit. We actually got a handful of questions in the comment section, so we should also hit those. Let's get those first. Yeah. Because this is the this is the Q and A list that will not end. Yeah, there's there's like sixty questions on this, and I'm incredibly pleased with that. Also, a lot of them are things that I have a lot of things to say about. So thanks yeah. again, Fireminer, for those. Yes, but we will be busy till Christmas. We have uh, we have those like stored in a separate text document to refer back to, so that will be easier to it will be easier to get back to those than the ones on the comment section, which will inevitably Thank- be buried eventually. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, WordPad will automatically insert spaces between paragraph breaks. Or line breaks. So it made it readable. Yeah. But, before we get into that, I know that someone is champing at the bit to talk about something. Yes. Yeah, so as we speak, I am trying to figure out exactly why I have formatting issues with the impression for Metal Max Xeno Reborn. Yes. You have some impressions. A lot yes, of I've got impressions. some impressions, and I've 
had to make a lot of little minor corrections because it's not good to type angry. <laughs> that really is kind of a lot of impression just by itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, this was not a good situation to be in. Yeah, also, I was looking through some of the screenshots that we have, and I'm thinking, not all of these match reality. Oh, God. This seems well, I mean, like it was a troubled development somehow, despite being heavily based off an older product. Oh, I mean, they completely, I mean, they rebuilt it from the ground up for uh, the mechanics, which they didn't need to, and which inc- introduced new issues, of oh, course. Boy. Yeah, um, driving has never been more annoying in the series. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, you know how some driving and racing series like to have the L, um, the LR buttons for uh, forward and reverse. Of course. Yeah, Metal Max has never done that until now. Oh. Does not make it easier to drive anything. Even if my even if my left joystick weren't occasionally ghosting on me, this would have been really annoying. Oh no, Joy-Con yeah. drift. No. Yeah, which results in monster buggy fishtailing all over the place. So, I mean, just to get into some nooks and crannies, you have to uh, do practice your three-point turns with the L and R buttons. Which is not good. Ugh. Yep. Well, rip Metal Max. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly mix rip Metal Max Xeno 1. Hopefully, I don't have any faith in it, but hopefully Xeno 2 is better. (laughs) I mean, when I hit the final, when I actually hit the ending for the actual game by accident, actually. um, Oh, wow. Yeah, first, oh, yeah. So, yeah, just for fun, um, I, I think I got told you guys, when you walk or when you leave the main base, you can see the final yeah. boss across the, the river where it's supposed to be at the end of the game. And there's a spot on the, that side of the riverbank that you can blow up if you have enough firepower to create a back door to the final boss battle. Huh. And so I have not actually gotten through the last area and a half of the game I figured, hey, why not? I've got a Shinwa Mark IV one-shot, miss, uh, basically a portable scud, and a couple focusing skills. Let's see if I can do enough damage. And I doubled the damage on it to needed to get rid of it. Huh. And so I was like, okay, let's go through, see what happens. And suddenly, oh, final boss. <laughs> Destroyed the final boss. Good work. Not necessarily easy, but still easier than that little nut midget uh, assassin robot in the tunnels. Yeah, I remember you having a great deal of trouble with that. (laughs) Yeah, I I also figured out that the number I was reading that I thought was, for some reason, thought was hit points late at night was actually the experience points from it. Oh, that'll do it. I don't know what the actual hit points were for it, except it's probably in excess of 30,000. 40,000, maybe. That seems a little excessive by any standard. Yeah, the the 20-story sky... um, militarized skyscraper boss died faster than that thing did. I assume that's supposed to be an intentional joke, but its placement, as you were describing it, makes it sound like it doesn't work as one, so... I mean, that's the thing. In the original game, that particular Munchkin boss was behind a locked gate. 
And in this game, he's in front of the locked gate that you have to pass by in order to get to the next area to find the key for that gate. It's like when I played FF10 International and there were just a bunch of places where you could just, like, you're trying to do side quests and it's like, oops, you accidentally walked into a super powerful boss. Oh, yeah, there's also that the fact that all of the bosses in Xeno will respawn as prototype versions oh, fairly boy. soon. Um, so, uh, yeah, the first time I found this out was, well, I actually defeated the spider boss first because the first three wanted monsters were too nasty for me to take on with a single tank. Um, so I was able to get two characters and two more tanks before um, getting to the spider, thankfully, and beat it up, was really damaged, didn't continue through to the next area, but poor, um, just um, quick traveled back to base to repair. Quick traveled back to the spot where I was supposed to go through the, to the next area, and the spider was back. Hmm. Prototype version, so I had to beat it twice before I could continue on. It was not fun. And in a different version, um, there was a uh, giant plant boss that is actually guarding two different key plot items. And I grabbed the wrong one first and got teleported back to base automatically for story reasons, supposedly. So I had to go back to that level to get the other key item, and the second version of the boss was already there. And this is a level where you walk in the front and the boss is there. So there's like all of five minutes between me quick traveling back and quick traveling over again. Very much a, why is it like this? It's very reminiscent of, okay, I beat this boss in Final Fantasy X, walked out the front, oh, whoops, wait a minute, I should have gone to get that one item in the rear, go back into the that boss area, and oh, Dark Bahamut, hello. Not quite that bad for difficulty because the yeah. the proto versions are not that nasty compared not much nastier than the originals but still it's nasty to run into a more powerful boss when you weren't expecting it <laughs> yeah so yeah That would be... That's disappointing. This was their chance, and they... Yeah. They but, kind of I mean, blew it. It's just, it, there's a long list of things that they actually removed from the experience. That's a really, like, baffling thing from all of your impressions. It's just like... They... This kind of thing, like, should at the very least not be worse than before. Yeah. I mean... Oh, among random things like Xeno, one of the few things I really liked about Xeno is that it removed the ablative tile for hit points from the tanks and instead made it a force field kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that you always had a minimum hit point to total for the tanks. And then everything above that was based on how much extra horsepower you could get from your engines. And they took that out. Well, that's. Oh, boy. <laughs> That includes the fact that um, in Xeno Original, the shields would regenerate as you drove around. Uh, Which would have been really helpful after the Munchkin boss, because I still had half of a tunnel level to get through, and I was not... I was determined to get to the next quick travel point before I 
um, before my tanks fell apart, just so I wouldn't have to beat the thing again. Um, <laughs> and as it turns out, um, at the end of the tunnel, there were five Yojin Borg in a row. I like the name Yojin Borg, though. I'll give yeah. it that. It was much more interesting as... Well, literally, literally in a row, standing there was excessive. But thankfully, there was an ant tunnel on the edge of, or on the side of the... <laughs> this technology turned against us again. It has. I thought that I was cutting out. No. I wish that it was just me, but it appears. Hopefully, you get it back shortly. Yeah. Uh, it was a little Spanish flea. A record stand. He thought he'd be. One of the little Spanish flea, and so he did. Should we talk about Xbox pre-orders while we're waiting for him? Sure, sure. How'd that go for you? It didn't go well for me. Yeah, it was uh, a nightmare of a morning. Did you get one, though? Yes, on Amazon. I did not. So the two retailers I did not want to pre-order consoles on is where I pre-ordered You got both! Consoles. Yes. Wonderful. They're huge. And then, of course, shortly afterwards... Or maybe it was a few days afterwards, Amazon sent out emails to apparently literally everyone that pre-ordered saying they may not get it on day one. It's great. Oops. Just fine, because the the, the one game I'm getting for that would is uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which will play on my Xbox One anyway, so it's fine. It's fine. Just I'm weird. very excited for that. Yeah, that game looks really good. I love that uh, the the Dragon Quest homage is so thick in that one. Hello, I'm back. Oh, hey, you're back. Yay. What was the last thing you heard from me? Because I'm pretty sure it was not, oh crap. But, uh, what was that? <laughs> it was not, it's true. Uh-huh. It was... So what was it talking about? What was... Did you hear me get onto the topic of ants? Yes. Nope. Yes. Yes. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I yes. heard you start talking about ants, and then it kind of cut off from there. Yeah, so yeah, in the last, the last on-foot section of the game, I'm fighting giant ants, and they're exactly, literally the same kinds of ants I was fighting at the beginning of the game. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's boring yeah i mean there are t apparently three or counting the counting the gold ones and the metal ones five types of ants in the game and most of them are the, the basic first one huh. they go splat if you look at them funny and give only three experience points huh lovely yeah and i mean this is right alongside the giant killer um, bodyguard uh, androids. So. And thing is, there are at least five more types of ants in the original games. Not Xeno, but the others that they could have used with palette swapping. 
Or they could have brought in some of the giant ant bosses from previous games. There were at least two or three. Oh, two. 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 Yeah. But here we are. Yes. So what what would you say your final verdict on the Snyder Cut of Metal Max Xeno is? Oh, God. <laughs> well, it's going back to the used game store next week. <laughs> Ouch. And I say that as the person who does not like to sell back games that from series that he generally likes, even if they're not the best games. So I am actually holding on to my Vita copy of Xeno as a definitive edition. There's so much that is stated just in that sentence. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess I feel less bad that we probably won't get this version. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so that's deeply depressing. I don't know. You never know. They might try it on on this one since it's on Switch. We'll I mean, I'm not too concerned at this stage. Yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> Go play more of three. Yep, there's a uh, there's a lot of that left. I haven't had time to play it because I've been swamped with coursework. But Ugh. yeah, that's another thing. I'm not quite sure how much time I've put into Reborn, but it's maybe 20 hours at this point, and such small portions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that limits the pain in its in its way. Yeah. So it is what it is, and what it is is really annoying. Yeah. So that's depressing. Uh, Wales, what have you been playing? I've been playing an obscene amount of Hades. Oh, I've heard nothing but good things about that. Yeah, the new super giant. Like the opposite joint. of Xeno Reborn. Yes, actually, it is. Um, it is really freaking hard, but it sure is a hell of a lot of fun. Pun intended. Uh, so, for anyone that somehow hasn't heard about this game that I, tons of people have been talking about, um, it's a roguelike where you play as the son of Hades trying to escape the underworld. And it's kind of got a bit more story than you normally expect from a roguelike. Every time you die, you go back to this hub area. And Hades will mock you, and then you can talk to other characters and uh, give them gifts and increase your relationship. I'm not sure what exactly that accomplishes yet, other than leading to some more conversations and stuff like that. Uh, but it's uh, it's action-based, and the action is really pretty fast and difficult and sometimes I'd even call it like bullet helly that's a description yes yes it is uh, but yeah it's really good it's uh, as you go through you know your randomized dungeon you'll get like boons from the different gods all which have their own special effects like um, Athena's abilities revolve around being able to de- deflect projectiles which is actually 
my favorite ability to get in the game because there's a lot of things that shoot projectiles and being able to like dash and knock all their bullets back at them is insanely useful. <laughs> uh, but there's lots of other cool stuff like, uh, God, I don't remember the name of the god, but one of them gives you like a grenade essentially that uh, anything hit in the cloud it creates gets hang out, hangover effect. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, the, the the graphics are very nice. Uh, I've been playing it mostly on Switch. Started playing on PC today as well. Very pretty game, as all of Super Giant stuff has been. And it's it's just a hell of a lot of fun. The, the story bits are interesting. And it really gives you an incentive to keep playing under unlike a lot of you know a, lo a lot of roguelikes as much as I like as much as I like them, oftentimes the only incentive to keep playing is just to eventually get that good run and like actually complete the game. Whereas this, you, you get rewarded even when you die. You get new conversations with characters, you can unlock new stuff. Um, there's always like little bits to keep it going and it's it's just a really fantastic formula and uh yeah i can't cannot recommend it enough especially that it's only what like 25 bucks and yeah highly mm. highly recommend <laughs> and oh and the voice acting is very good as well so Check it out. Oh, and you can pet Cerberus. So there you go. You can pet yeah. three dogs. Yes. But that are also kind of one dog. I was going to say, I think that's the most positive thing I had to say about Reborn is that you can pet the puppy. <laughs> oh, she is good. It's a shame that he is not in better. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're not nearly enough, but they were... I generally stepped in the right direction. Why didn't you just put this in an, the original game? It's like, hey. Dash this then. <sighs> oh, and it well. wouldn't have even been that weird. <laughs> well, that's miserable, so let's not think too hard. There's something else. I, oh, I've also been playing lots of Pokemon, but I don't really have anything new to talk about there. It's just been... Catching They're monsters. Uh, tracking your down pocket. random rare monsters like Dragapult and stuff like that. And oh, oh, we should talk about the expansion news real quick though. Oh yeah. Uh, so they announced that Crown Tundra will be dropping October twenty second, which I think was is a lot sooner than people were expecting, which is awesome. Uh, but the cool thing about it, other than looking like it's got some neat new content, is it's bringing back all the missing legendaries from the entire series. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So uh, my daughter is immediately excited to see all the tapus from Sun and Moon. So uh, some of them, I believe, are only available if you transfer them. But like a lot of them, I saw this list, are catch gettable in the game. So that, that right there is really cool. So... <laughs> Uh, it's looking to be a really, really good expansion. 
And also, it's going to be uh, actually printed onto a cart and saved from digital hell. Yes, that's neat. Which game again? Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, the expansion. Yeah, oh. that's, that's neat, but also my neurotic brain is going to make me buy those. So. It is, and they're, they're $90 yes. because they're the full game. God damn it. <laughs> so, you know, broke-brained wheels, loses again. So yeah, Pokemon still awesome. Hades awesome. Metal Max not so awesome. Uh huh. And that's our show. We'll see you next time. We have no yeah. questions or anything. It's not like we have oh, dozens <laughs> at this point. Four dozen. Uh, mm. I thought they were closer to sixty at this point, but. Yeah, let's, uh, let's look at some of the ones that are in the comment section so we don't forget them. This one's from Shaman. It's the fact that Jim Ryan is a tool, the reason why we haven't had PS3 or Vita games go on sale since March, unless they were explicitly crossed by with a PS4 version. Uh, at this point, I would say it's because Sony is doing its best to forget that those platforms exist. Yes. So, mm -hmm. uh... Maybe get what you want out of those soonish, because I wouldn't be surprised if that store goes away eventually. I do, however, want to imagine the PS3 having to try to run the PS5 version of the PSN store. Oh, God. Because if you haven't used that store since it was updated to look like the PS4 Ooh. version, it's one of the most slow and worthless stores, uh, like shops I've ever seen. I'm so mad because the PS3 store was like. I don't want to say it, it was, worked. It was it fine. was fast. It was good. And then they updated it to look like the PS4 store, and that made it so hideously slow. It's it's incredible. And I don't, not, I don't not particularly like the PS4 store to begin with. I think its layout's kind of poop. But oh, I'm shuddering to think what the PS5 version of that store is going to look like. At least it'll load fast, maybe. You, oh, 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 that's a lot to give them credit for at this stage. I give them um, credit. <laughs> I'm on yeah. record as being very annoyed with Sony. Yeah. Do you remember me? It's been... Do you remember that that day when pre-orders were going up, and I was frantically trying to figure out, can I pre-order? Like you were pissed because... off at yourself while you were doing it. Yeah. But I just wanted to know, can I replace my PS4? And it did not seem like yeah. a question they could answer. Their messaging has been so mind-bogglingly bad. Like, they, they did it a couple more times this week, I think. What was some, they would, there was, like, questions about, like, the Demon's Soul Special Edition and, like, whether you'd be able to buy the soundtrack separately at any point. Oh, God. Also, all the Spider-Man weirdness. Oh, <laughs> you know what's great? Taking a character that people are used to the look of, and then redesigning them, and giving a very confusing explanation as to why. I, I just love uh, Yuri Lowenthal's tweet about it. Like I respect Yuri Lowenthal trying to sort of take the heat on this because it's like, no, it's it's my fault. It's my face. I like see, it's I... not his face literally, but 
See, I don't even know what he actually looks like, so I didn't realize that that wasn't his face. <laughs> yeah, because he, he like the if you look into the information, it's a different performance capture uh, yeah. person. And like they were claiming that they needed to change the performance capture person to match Yuri Lowenthal better, which raises a lot of questions because I thought it matched just fine. Yeah. Before. I'm so confused. <laughs> Yeah, like the the messaging on literally everything is always a mix of we just said something, that thing we just said is a lie a bit, maybe it's true, maybe it's false. It enters this awful quantum state where it's like, you need to confirm something twice before I believe it. Yeah. It's... The messaging is mind-boggling. Yeah, like, I'm not even sure I fully believe all this backward compatibility stuff. Because they've just, like... So, to, to like, do the Goofus and Gallant thing... So, <laughs> Goofus... <laughs> Goofus says that his, pro, his platform will be backwards compatible, maybe, uh, with 99% of the games he's checked with, but, you know, he can't tell you what those are. Gallant... <laughs> Sends out preview copy preview consoles to like tons of outlets to show to let them all test their own games to see what works and how well it works. <laughs> did you see that Digital Foundry video? No. So Digital Foundry did a nice video about the Xbox Series X's backwards compatibility that showed off how good it is playing Xbox One. Uh, it's the best way to play those games. And to test, like, original Xbox and Xbox 360 games. So, like, they tested... Uh, one of the key games that they tested was Grand Theft Auto 4. Uh, which was a game that did not run well, if you recall that video game from the distant year of 2008. Uh, didn't run well, basically on anything. Uh, like, it was, you know, it tried to... It ran at an uncapped frame rate. It hovered somewhere between 20 and 40 frames per second. On Series X, it runs at a solid 60 at all times. Wow. And it's like, they, that is not a game optimized for Series X. It's just using the backwards compatibility they have and muscling through it with the Series X's CPU. And it's just like, oh, that's nice. Like, that all these things, anything that worked on Xbox One X will work on Series X. And there is, like, demonstrable proof that this is the case. Like, wouldn't it be nice if Sony could deign to do that? Because it it would make me feel a lot better about their upcoming platform. I just want to know if I can play Resonance of Fate on my PS5. No, probably not. Oh, I'm looking on, forward to it turning why? out that the handful of games that don't work end up being the PS2 on PS4 games. <laughs> Which, if you've, uh, if you've ever experienced those, those are bad emulations. Those are not good. Uh, please, Goofus, please. You're the market leader for some reason. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, continuing the long trend of the company that is in the lead feels the least need to earn your trust. So. Uh, hopefully they don't screw up as bad as the PS3. I'm willing to just come out and call us and just say that was a screw up. Shouldn't have done that. 
Shouldn't have been like that. Well, they've already done a little bit better because they didn't stick to their stupid guns on the price. Because I know, I know that they couldn't have wanted to sell this thing at 500 bucks. Oh, absolutely. That was that was not in the cards unless they were forced to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it just seems like Sony has managed to create hype in spite of themselves, which is really quite impressive. Like, despite fumbling essentially every step of the way, but just not in, like, a really debilitating fashion. It's just always yeah. like, how did you do this? How does this keep happening? And, and unfortunately, they still have the exclusive edge. We'll see how that changes, considering how much money Microsoft is spending on studios. I'm just going to put it this way. Like, I don't think that Microsoft cares too much about, like, Doom Eternal or whatever, and, like, all those eventually coming out on other things. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like there's a certain degree, there's a certain thought process at Microsoft that, well, if Sony has Final Fantasy, we better at least have Elder Scrolls. Yes. And just the thought, that just to have the fact that Elder Scrolls Six will be on Game Pass day one is probably going to help one. them immensely. That's big yeah. But this also just gives them a lot of stuff to just put on Game Pass. Like, yeah. hey, here's a big game that like you would like to be able to just play on whatever, and uh, now you can. Hey, remember those awful loading times on Morrowind on the original Xbox, where we found out recently, apparently your console may have restarted during that. Uh, oh, that does remind me of another thing that they showed in that Digital Foundry video. They did load time comparisons. And, like, one of the ones that they did was FF15. If you remember, one of the things FF15 has issues with is just loading. Yep. It's a lot of load. They timed it as, like, it was, like, 63 seconds on an Xbox One X and, like, 15 seconds on a Series Holy X. Like the the SSD access is nice and speedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to be too pointed, guys. Well, I've got about forty minutes left, so are we gonna? Okay, let's let's move on. We'll, we'll discuss this about. later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So this is another one. Uh, let's see. But I asking, what unreleased game are you most excited for? Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. Uh, <laughs> uh, Miles Morales. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's that's what'll force you to get a PS5. If you've listened to this show at all, you know I'm stupid about Spider-Man. So yeah, yeah. I'm if we were talking about games that are canceled, then I would then I'd have a place to go. But uh, Gaijin, you got anything you're specifically looking forward to? Honestly, mm, not. Particularly, I guess, Ryza 2. I was thinking that Ryza 2 was going to be the closest that's, that you could come up with. That's the best thing I have currently on my radar. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Saga collection. Oh, yeah. Collection of Saga. The Final Fantasy. Well, I already have, all, I already have <laughs> those three games on Game Boy cartridge and yeah. two of them on DS Remake. Um, and I know where to get one of them possibly for Wonderswan if I ever had one working Wonderswan again. Every time that I passed through the nice 
local game store in Seattle that had all those wonder swans. It's like one day, one day I'll have more spare income, and that one of those wonder swans will be mine. <laughs> yes, and hopefully it will still work. Uh, they they do some repair and like testing. So oh, okay, That's good, nice. good. Pink Gorilla, it's a good place. Um, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, they show up at PAXs a lot. Um, let's see. Do you think Twitch helps or hurts certain games? I mean, certainly, like, I don't think that something like Fall Guys would have gotten as big if it wasn't a streamable video game. Yeah. I don't think it terribly yeah. helps RPGs for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think all those weird restrictions on streaming persona 5 heard it at all because i don't think anyone actually wants <laughs> wants that i don't think anyone that cared to play it is going to be persuaded or dissuaded by a stream yeah i'm just thinking things like twitch plays pokemon which created some of the most bizarre memes and i'm like urzet's religious movements on the internet for yeah that was something six months. That, that was, that was, that was crazy. a crazy um, I've actually seen people attempting to do spreadsheets or not spreadsheets, um, flowcharts to determine exactly how the community behind Twitch plays Pokemon shifted, altered, and segmented into sectarian violence. Um, <laughs> Listen, you gave them a choice between order and chaos, and you saw exactly the deep into the heart of man about what they were going to choose. <laughs> All I can say is that somewhere in there is a sociology doctoral paper waiting to happen. Oh, I'd love to read that. Yeah, sit down with a good forty pages of that. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a trip, and that actually probably was helpful for Nintendo in the sense of like it rekindled a lot of direct nostalgia for the Gen One games right when they were going to want it. Yeah, but it's hard to say the chicken or egg on that, but at the same time, like I certainly think that the phenomenon of it. Uh, certainly helped spread something that was going to eventually dawn eventually. So. Mm -hmm. uh, we can do this thoughts on Microsoft buying ZeniMax later when Gaijin is gone, since I don't think that's going to have much I have no idea what's up with that anyway, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Best game with Xeno in the title. Let's see, what are our choices? Xenogears, Xenosaga... Xenoblade. Not the one I just finished. Um, yeah, Metal Max Xeno is off the table. <laughs> um, old arcade game called Xenophobe. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I just remember the name. It was something about, like, it was a... Like a Shoot aliens. It was a gallery shooter. Yeah. I feel like Xenoblade until I can think of something else. Um... I have a tough time with this one because I thought it would be just Xenoblade One and that's that, but Man Two was really good, so <laughs> But what about X? Bum bum bum. I love X, but well, it's not X. Of the ones I have actually played, I would have to say probably Zen um Xenosaga one and two on the DS. Oh, I've heard that version Pain. was good. And we Why? super didn't get that. It sucks. It, it was it was actually rather good. Um, and I was I had to keep rereading Jooms's um, Xenosaga one and two reviews to make sure that I actually that all the stuff that he was really complaining about did not actually exist. 
They, they were smart. They took that second go and were smart about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, until further notice, Xenoblade. Yeah. Go with that. Especially, uh, especially with the remaster out now. It's a really nice remaster. Oh, yeah. All these questions that I've just been reading are from Budai, except for the first one that was from Shane. Uh, also, good to hear from you again, Budai. Uh, and as a last one that is aimed directly, uh, like, aimed to hit me right between the eyes. It's going to ask what a Grandia online game would look like, but apparently one existed at one point already. Yeah. Oof. It, uh, it existed for a brief, unhappy beta for about a year. And then it was never heard from again. Which really says a great deal about the Endeavor. I don't think there's a meaningful way to translate Grandia's combat system into an MMO. And I feel like if you can't at least do the combat... What's the point? Like, I love Grandia as a mood, but I mean, like, it probably can't even capture the mood. The one thing I will say about Grandia Online is that conceptually its setting was kind of neat. Because it was a prequel to Grandia 1, so you were playing as, like, one of the adventurers that Justin idolizes in Grandia 1. That's pretty cool. But, it yeah. actually works it, pretty well. Yeah, conceptually, that's pretty neat. But, like, sadly, it also just means that, like, a neat idea was kind of squandered on an MMO that never really went anywhere. Because the combat, you just can't make a game that functions like Grandia. Also, what, just, what did you just fail at, Wales? Uh, death. I died. The boss had this teeny weeny silver life left. Uh, oh well. But yeah. But apparently, it was still trying to use something like the Grandia combat, but I can't imagine it was terribly satisfying. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. one where I'd say go with the Grandia. Combat. But then everyone would be angry because it didn't use the combat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Grandia, like, as much as I like everything else about it, its identity is its combat. Yeah. Okay, so shall we dive into the long-ass Q&A list? The madness. Yeah. So we, we do not have to take these in order. We can just jump around a bit. Yeah, so, like, these are all from Fire Miner. Yep, so, so Dave, were there any that really just caught your eye? There was one, there were a couple that I wanted to hit up because they involve, like, extreme obscurities. Go for that, it. Which one do you want to go for first? I'm going to mark these as done on my personal copy. Okay, so this was... Uh, Number what? 17. 17, okay. You, you saw me ranting about this earlier. Uh, yes. Which JRPG, other than FF2, uh, can you think of that use keyword systems? Like, you can ask an NPC about different keywords. I feel like it's something that has gone extinct. So well, it's something that survived in adventure games. Yeah, yeah. It's very much an adventure game staple. Uh-huh. But if we're talking about Japanese-style RPGs, not necessarily game RPGs made in Japan... <laughs> Mm-hmm. The one that sprang to mind was a game for an exceptionally obscure Taiwanese system called the Super Akan. Or which, is it Akan or Akan? 
the the Taiwanese person I saw that did research on this pronounced it Akan. Okay. But basically, they the, this system existed for about six months in Taiwan in about 1995, and it had about 12 games released for it, one of which is a JRPG called The Son of Evil. Huh. Uh, Japanese-styled RPG, I should say. And it is mostly nakedly a, like, FF5-era Final Fantasy knockoff. But it has keywords that you need to ask people about to progress the story in a very <laughs> FF2-looking fashion. It's a very strange-looking game, and I just wanted the excuse to bring up something as obscure as the Super Akan. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I feel like the, it was never that common in JRPGs to begin with. Like, I would describe it less as having gone extinct in the genre, and more as, like, never having taken root in it. Mm. Like, the... the the go around the entire town talking to every NPC is the equivalent of that. Like, that is just what they've replaced it with. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, the last game I remember playing that had that kind of mechanic was a spin-off of Atelier Lily. But that one was, in fact, a an adventure game yep. set in the Atelier universe. Yeah. But, like, so, I feel like the purpose that that's meant to serve ended up getting served by just having you talk to people in town, so. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry as much. There's still definitely issues with event flagging of, like, did I need to talk to them in this order? But there's, like, less of that. Yeah. So, um, Moon RPG Remix Adventure has something similar with just showing certain, like, name cards or things. Yeah, like, everyone gives you a card that you can show people. Yeah. And you can get some very specific and interesting reactions from some people. Yeah. Although, um, are you are you still playing that? I would be, except that I'm swamped with schoolwork. So. Uh, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been I've been chatting at another friend who's also playing it, so we'll keep each other honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is another one that I just sort of wanted to quickly jump into because uh, because it's one of my favorite like uh, like one of my favorite tragic stories. Uh, number twenty three is the rumor that Createx stopped making games in the early aughts and tried their hand at selling negative ion generators real. And how the hell that, does success that involve com- metal stuff? That yeah. invo- that sounds completely. Um, possible, actually. It, I can vouch for the fact... I can vouch for about two-thirds of it. Because there are Internet Archive... Uh, so, Createc and Data East were for a time sort of attached at the hip. And there are archives of Data East's website that are just them selling negative ion generators. And if you don't know what a negative ion generator is, it's an air purifier. It's like a fan that like gets dust out of the room. Pretty much, but yeah. yeah, like Data East's website was absolutely selling negative ion generators in the early ops. Yeah. Now, as for how Success got their hands on it, it's because or it's because Data East was selling off properties, probably at the same time while it was losing money on negative ion generators, and Success bought out the Createc subdivision. I guess. That yeah, happens. like, like, 
Data East was kind of ailing for a fair few years there, and like most of their catalog, there was no buyer for until they there was a bankruptcy auction, and like ninety percent of their ta- uh, catalog was bought by a, primarily a cell phone gamer uh, company called G Mode, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a handful of other properties like Glory of Heracles got sold off to a company called Paon. But yeah. yeah, so the there is, at the very least, it is as close to verified as possible that, yes, Createch yeah. would have been involved in negative ion generator sales <laughs> in the early aughts. Yeah. Though I guess it should be pointed out that also that Data East was similar to Sony in some aspects where it was originally an engineering company as much as anything else. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of companies like that. And so it it had things like it had a pinball subdivision. It created arcade game consoles. Yeah. Things like that. Oh, the so this was, set players are insane. Yeah. So this was not really as far out there as it sounds. It was more them kind of trying to return to their engineering roots and seeing if that could save them. <laughs> yeah. And so um, the main connection here with Createch is that they had to sell Createch to... To keep solvent, I guess. Yeah, I, I do feel like pointing out the hilarious like trail of Data East's pinball division, where they like bought it from Stern and then later sold it back to Stern. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, apparently remember. they. Uh... Okay. Uh-uh. Things Aaron Spelling, Michael Jordan, and for the movie Richie Rich. Oh yeah, there's some weird, weird like the '90s were the like top of the era of like keep pinball relevant by putting a license on it. Any license will do; it doesn't matter. No, I mean this wasn't licensed. This was specifically for those people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the customized ones as well, as like yeah. essentially publicity. Oh, also, Data East pinball division somehow ended up developing one video game that didn't quite get released but it's infamous anyway anyone remember tattoo assassins no it was a mortal Kombat knockoff uh written by the screenwriter for back to the future what (laughs) and it's it's awful it's full of very strange people involved they were given like nine months to do it also, they were a pinball company, but they were told to make a Mortal Kombat knockoff for some reason. There's dumps of the final game. The game did get finished, quote-unquote. There's dumps of it. It's incredibly awful. It's incredibly bizarre. It's full of characters with names like Billy Two Moons and Coldan the Conqueror. <laughs> yeah. It's it's wild. It is a wild object. I Yeah. But anyway, so, if you're yeah. still interested in this company, the Wikipedia page for Data East is surprisingly comprehensive. Yeah, you wouldn't expect and it, that. It includes some interesting things I did not know. For example, that Idea Factory was established by former members of Data East. <laughs> There's a lot of companies that were that like have weird involvement with Data East people. I want to say that like Nipponichi is also like has some former Data East DNA in it. Yeah. Um, Marvelous actually owns a lot of this minor intellectual properties, including Burger Time. Oh, I love Burger Time. Yeah, I mean, that was a Data East game way back yep. in the day. But yeah, Marvelous acquired G-Mode and got a lot of the minor stuff through there. Yeah, the... Um, the oddly enough, it doesn't mention success in here, but success um, somehow bought Free Attack, but not 
somehow bought Crytek but did not actually buy the Metal Max IP. Or at the very least, the the trademark, I guess. Yeah, the trademark, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, the trademark, because they certainly had the IP, because they, I mean, yeah. the two Metal Saga games were explicitly connected to the first Metal Max game. Yeah, so they somehow didn't buy the trademark, which is weird. I don't even know how you would negotiate a business deal like that, but, but good job at on this you. Point, at this point, if Success decides to actually make a console Metal Saga game again, I will buy that just to see how much better they manage it this time. <laughs> like, it could scarcely I mean, be worse. <laughs> I mean, we know that they still have the trademark because they actually released a, a smartphone Metal Saga game at the, while there was a uh, smartphone Metal Max game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, concurrently. I'm just looking up this, like, uh, that Tattoo Assassins and boggling. But yeah, Gmo did also have the do, do the kindness of releasing a pretty solid Data East co uh, compilation for the Wii that I believe is quite rare now. But it has like a fair amount of games. It has all the, it has essentially everything they had the rights to, other than mm. stuff that would have required really bespoke emulation, like the cliffhanger Edward Randy. Okay. But you get okay, well, you get your Sly Spy, your Super Real Darwin. Yeah. Well, connecting back in with Metal Max here, we also have question 22. Oh, fair. fair. Just, I have just found out that Hiroshi, Mio, um, Hiroshi Mioka was one of the people responsible for the creation of Dragon Quest. Was there anything similar between Metal Max 1 and the first three Dragon Quests? Um, Everything. <laughs> there, I mean, you can definitely tell that there was inspiration taken from Dragon Quest 1 in particular for style and Metal Max 1. Yeah. Just... Um, I mean, it's very minimalistic, but the, a lot of the, the kingdom or the region layout is... I mean, I did not actually realize that they had a creator in common, but I'm not surprised to hear it. The thing is that it's hard to tell with Famicom RPGs because so many of them are so heavily patterned after Dragon Quest to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the Metal Max games started off with the concept of Dragon Quest in crossed with Mad Max. Yeah. But with, that, that uh, was pretty common for JRPGs that era. Dragon Quest plus blank. <laughs> Except that Metal Max has no character skills. It's all tanks. Yep. So that's which is something that they tried to make up for in later games and then completely dropped off the map in Reborn. Um it's amazing yeah, you know, I'm not even going to get back to that game right now. You can read the impression when it's up by the end of this week. Let's not weeks. think about that for a moment. Yeah. Okay, well, Wheels, were there any questions on this list that you were curious about? Uh, I forget, to be honest. There were some Monster Hunter ones near the Oh, uh, yeah, I think that's down in, like, the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh, there was one about... Killing God. Okay, here we go. We'll try this one. 33. Playing Dandy Dungeon makes me want to ask this. How much respect does the salaryman archetype still receive? None. <laughs> None. Um, well, I mean, it's it's, it's on a like sliding it's a scale. It's a, I mean, there's like five or six different archetypes bound up into that particular job. And Dandy Dungeon works off of the most farcical parody versions. 
I feel like there's just a lot of like there's a lot already being wrapped up in choosing to call someone a salary man rather than a businessman. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the uh, the heyday of the salary man has long since passed. But the respectable older office worker guy is still a major archetype. Yeah. Yep. And Yamada Kun is not one of those. He's just kind of the like well. He didn't really want to be in it, and honestly, can you blame him? But also, he's just kind of a doof. <laughs> yes. And that's what makes him charming. But, but yeah, I mean, and they're asking, since the bubble economy burst and the current job situation in Japan, and I'm thinking, dude, the bubble economy burst literally 30 years ago. There's a full generation and a half of people who have never seen that particular level of economic viability in this country. And yeah. Amazingly, Japan is still surviving. Yeah, um, it's just... I mean, it's it goes to show just how different the Japanese approach to economic everything is to America. Or to Europe. Yeah. Um, that they're still surviving and have adapted to a much slower eco- level of economic growth. Yeah. We've got that to an extent in the U.S., but no one's no one's happy about it. No one's happy about it because nobody, I mean, nobody, I mean, everyone's expecting that has to be growth at this level or above, and it's quite often not a sustainable expectation. Yeah. And then it burns out, and so you've got a constant... destroys us all, and it's a nightmare. (laughs) Boost and and bust economy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fairly quick one. Like, it's... The, the only time that I've ever seen something explicitly reminisce on the bubble economy in any real fashion, it was Yakuza 0, and it was very much a combination of we'll never have it this good again and making jokes about that fact, and also yes. just, like, jokes about what caused it to explode. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, any other good ones in here? Um, let's see. 32. Oh, okay. I can answer 32 really fast. Does Japan have review bombing and other type of public fallouts when a game from a beloved franchise was not up to the fans' expectations? Go check Amazon Japan. <laughs> I was going to say, it, um, not necessarily to the extent that it has in the American market, but it does happen because Dragon Quest IX got review bombed specifically for the fairy companion character. Oh, I remember hearing about this. I mean, there were... There was a an amazing number of rather butthurt fans who simply did not like her. Huh. Specifically, her. That's so weird. They they didn't like the they didn't like how she was patterned off of gal styles. They did not like the way she talked. They did not like the fact that she needed to exist as a na- narrative function for an otherwise uh, silent protagonist. They did not like the fact that she was not Yangus. More or less. Um, it was just yeah. an immense fury of blowback that just kind of blew out within a week after the game released. Because everyone else was buying the game and enjoying it. So... Um, in many ways, that uh, is reflective of like the really vocal review bombing in the in the West as well. It's like these people just trying to be as loud as possible, but then like 
how much something actually sells is almost completely irrespective of what they're doing. Like sometimes it'll do poorly, but that'll probably have a different factor. And sometimes it'll do great and it won't even matter. Like remember the Pokemon shit last year? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. The thing sold better than just about any Pokemon ever, other than like red and blue. And it's still selling. (laughs) That's like, I'm still thinking, trying to review bomb a Dragon Quest game. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Okay, um, what else we got here? You know, I'm just going to stick in this same general area way down in the Hello? rooms. Hello? Technology Hello? is working great for us tonight. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, good. You had me scared for a moment there. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Are we still back on? Yeah, we're still going. Okay, still recording? Yeah. Is Dave here? I don't think so. Okay, I'm back. Okay, there we go. Yay! Yeah, okay. it, it took a very long time to realize that it was kicking me from the call. Oh. Yeah. That, again, that's that's why I I prefer that you have your fan running in the background so I can hear when you <laughs> cut out. Okay. Uh... So, here we go. Number 34... In a recent episode, you talk about why JRPGs are much more accepting toward killing and overthrowing gods. I wish to ask a related question. Is there anything as heavenly as a heavenly mandated moral code to the Japanese like the covenant to Christians? Because if you have something like that and then you kill God, doesn't it mean the societal morality also goes down the drains? Um, this is the kind of question that only a question that only a Christian would ask, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, uh... um, um but it's it's also kind of central to the fact that um, a lot of fantasy, especially based out of the West, is still very much Christian fantasy despite having pantheons. Yeah. I mean, if you look at... There's uh, always a good guy. <laughs> yeah, if you look at Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder, not only is it I mean, heavily good versus evil in a very Christian manner, but you often have very specific sections of Christian eschatology and cosmology worked into the basic format of the game. It's just um, easier. <laughs> yeah. And so Japanese games borrow a lot off of Dr- Dungeons & Dragons, but at the basic social level... There's, there's no culture for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the majority of Western fantasy is Christian morality overlaid by a Roman concept of extremely um, stratified levels of divine um, bureaucracy. And you can have parallels to that with the Chinese divine court, but the Chinese mythology didn't have that much influence on Japan. (laughs) Yeah. And, Um, like, there's a whole big thing about uh, what happened with a lot of Japan's homegrown religions, so... (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, even with Shinto mythology, I can think of at least five or six deities that are canonically dead before humanity gets created. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot more going on there. Yeah, I mean, five of which were are just names mentioned in the myths that say, yes, they were there and they died. We um, know nothing about them, but they existed or, at some point. They were kind of like the basis of the cosmos, and then they passed away, passed on to something or other. And they weren't actually male or female either, because there was no male or female until Izanami and Izanagi were created from them. 
Yep. Yep. So we have gender-neutral deities. Yeah, for it's, the, yeah. it's a lot. And I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot wrapped up in Japanese cultural religious identity and how it's been affected uh, over the past centuries, yeah. so... And, I mean, there's also the fact that in Japan, the deities are not necessarily su- super beings above all. They're just literally the guys next door in some cases. So There's a lot of, a lot of comedy to go around. Yeah. So basically, um, no, there is no heavenly mandated moral code. There is, at best, the Buddhist silver rule and some Confucian ethics. And the general just, sense that we really need to be excellent to each other. Just a lot of, like, obligation to those around you uh, instilled via yeah. culture. Yeah. A very communalistic culture mm-hmm. without a without a, um, without a real reason for a strong religious moral background to it. As opposed mm-hmm. to America, where you have the strong religious moral background for it and a, an individualist culture to the extreme. Yeah, I don't want to get on that because I'll get angry and it will not be fun to listen to, so we won't. Uh, <laughs> oh, we can get on that another day because I've got things to say about the teach a man to fish concept. Gotcha. Um, let's let's yeah, hit we... one that I think you might have some insight on, uh, but that I also have something to just bring up because it occurred to me while I was researching something unrelated. Uh, okay, 31. Sure. The number 31. Uh, there are any Japanese game that wears its regional influences on its sleeve. People must have been tired of seeing generic Tokyo, never whatever. Uh, what about games that take you to lesser known places in Japan? I was going to bring up Final Fantasy X is based off of like the more tropical parts of Japan. I oh, like it is huh. so so Okinawan in style sometimes. Yeah, like I feel like part of the th- issue is that you don't know what parts of Japan that aren't Tokyo look like. Most of us don't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean things but, like. Um, Romancing Saga Minstrel Song had as its one of its major Japan, obviously Japan style regions, was basically Okinawa. Yeah. With Triceratops. I feel like there's like a common ancestor to a lot of snowy mountainous areas in Japan, but I couldn't say what part of Japan that is. (laughs) And then you have things like, I think it was, was it Yakuza 6 that had multiple, or 5 which had multiple characters? Uh, four and five both have tons of characters. <laughs> uh, which one was it that a- they actually had five different narratives in five different cities? Maybe it was Yeah, five. it's five. It's five. They were doing the five gimmick. <laughs> in which case, that game takes place in the five other major cities besides Tokyo. Like Fukuoka, some other yes. ones. I, I, pl- um, I played the demo with um, Kiryu as the taxi driver. Yeah. And my, in my, my impression for it, I was like, you know... I used to live in the city, and I recognize this neighborhood, and I actually found where the entrance to my favorite old bar should have been. <laughs> uh, it's not there, but the stairs down to it are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they usually, like, there's only a handful of enterable places, but I mean, like, they usually give you, like, this great sense of just behind where you're able to reach, there's something. Yeah, but... I, I can say that at least... For the Fukuoka or the Nakasa area um, analog in Yakuza 5, it is a really close copy. Yeah, before... Um, Otherwise, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, post-Yakuza 1, they got really into, like, showing different parts of Japan. Like, different cities, different, like, other places. Like... Yeah. Because, like, 
Two has uh, a place called Sotenbori. Which Very is different. <laughs> Sotonbori from Osaka. Yeah. Uh, three has an Okinawa... Uh, what is it called again? Uh, I think they call it like Ryukyu, but it's Okinawa. Yeah, Ryukyu uh, would be... Yeah. That's Okinawa, definitely. Four and five have a bunch of places. Uh, six has... Uh, Onomichi, which is in uh, Hiroshima. I'm not sure what specific part of Hiroshima it's based off of, but it's got, it's got more of a small town, like dying town vibe. I mean, Persona 4's town could be pretty much anywhere in central Honshu. Yeah. Explicit primary setting is Yokohama. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, Yokohama is practically Tokyo for all intents and yeah. purposes. Yeah. But um, um, Hamatora... It's, it's a little different in terms of the vibe they've given it, though, so... But um, the Hamatora video game for 3DS, mm-hmm. um, the series it's based on was set in, in Yokohama, but the game is based in Kobe. Oh, man. My brother and was in Kobe for a while. Yeah, it's specifically based around the neighborhoods and near the old Chinatown in Kobe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they could have done better with it, by it, but they definitely made it very um, recognizable. Listen, I just wanted the excuse to advertise Yakuza games. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was a major one. Um, the Inazuma 11 games don't oh, yeah, really yeah. S- necessarily state where they are. However, level 5 is based in Fukuoka, and I can say it looks like Fukuoka. <laughs> it really does. Uh, I mean, aside, I mean, not even counting in the fact that Level Five still has the naming rights to the Fukuoka Soccer Stadium. Oh yeah, yeah, they do. Oh yeah, I just wanted to bring this up since I doubt you've been keeping track of Yakuza Seven, but I think you would get a kick out of it. Uh huh. Which is that uh, they're doing the explicit like Dragon Quest uh, parody in that one, and like it has the job system. Mm-hmm. The protagonist, Ichiban, is exclusively allowed to take the hero class, which is a specific takeoff of the Dragon Quest hero class. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, wonderful game. Anyone who has anything that it will be releasing on should uh, maybe give that a look when that comes out in November. Well, I need to leave in a few minutes, so let me see if there's any other mm-hmm. questions here. Come on. Mouse work with me here. Okay. <laughs> Actually, uh, touchpad. And see. Um, then, uh, say, Gaijin, do you see your students bringing their handheld game systems to school and play, or all the, or they all use smartphones nowadays? Well, first of all, no, because they are not allowed to bring anything like that to school. And <laughs> they're smart. If they have smartphones, they are supposed to drop them off at the teacher's room. And for check-in, and they will get confiscated indefinitely if they are caught with them in class. Um, and they are limited to what they can use on their student-issue um, tablet PCs mm. as well. So the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Now, outside of class, we still see 3DSs, Switches, and uh, Vitas all over the place. Healthy ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anything... Or let me uh, mark that one as answered there. Um, let's see. Okay, and now, was there anything towards the bottom here? 
old questions section. Um, P.S. is here we go. P.S. I've just had a wonderful afternoon with Princesses Don't Do Summer School. Yay! Um, plug time. Plug time. It was different from what I used to play with my group of friends, but I enjoyed the adventure nonetheless. And Bianca and Cassandra are growing on me. Yay! So please, please look, take a look at the other books in the series or episodes in the series. Enjoy. It gets crazy. Er, as They're available on Amazon. Is it Kindle and Kindle Unlimited? Uh, with two paperback collections, soon to be a third as soon as I finally get through making sure that everything's lined up right. And they thing. can be found by searching for Michael Yarimizu. Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, I, Okay, now to continue here, I've got to ask Gaijin, though. I know that in Japan, people not only record their RPG sessions to put on YouTube, but also sell them in the form of books called replays. Have you read any of these books for inspiration or are all of the events in the novels from your own experience. Um, I've never actually read what, um, an actual replay book. I've read a few spin-offs from the Lotus War series. Lotus oh, War being one of the original War. replay series of books from like almost 40 years ago. Yeah, the very 80s, very 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lotus was literally a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Several of the other book series set in the same world were Sword World, um, ca uh, campaigns but yeah um, it is a thing in Japan um, it can be interesting sometimes I haven't actually read any of them myself um, as for the stuff in the stories most of it is let's see um, I've played games in two or three different versions of D&D &D and Pathfinder plus a couple D20 systems like Blue Rose Um so there's some of that for the rules side, which I'm regularly very vague on which rules I'm invoking just to keep it from being too obviously falsifiable. Um, <laughs> um, and for the character side, a lot of it just comes from having worked with young people in that age group for the last decade and more. Can't believe so, that you would violate the rules of Hackmaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I will take specific rules from like Pathfinder specifically in more recent years to and see just what I can mess around with. So if you get through to episode nine, you will see some very interesting things that are based on one section of Bestiary 5 Pathfinder and two parts Final Fantasy X Mega Battles. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Please get to episode nine. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> and other things like... Um, in one of the side stories, that's actually the side story that's included in the second paperback, um, I actually borrowed from um, a mechanic for basically um, having multiple points on a map and you just keep moving along um, for encounters. Um, I borrowed it off of Knights of Pen and Paper. <laughs> if you ever Did you ever play that one, guys? No. Uh, no? No. So you, you had a set map um, between spots, and for each spot on the map, basically the game rolled... 3d6 and you roll d20 against it to see if you actually had an encounter or something else happened and uh, so I, I borrowed something like that for one story so it was very useful are we still yeah. here yeah yep. yeah working okay okay, okay. I'm, I'm still kind of <laughs> anxious about this sorry, sorry. but yeah so um 
yes, points of inspiration are tabletop games I've played, students I've worked with, um, JRPGs I've played in quite a few cases, and random war stories from the old saving throw um, column on RP Gamer's old site. <laughs> so there, there's some real gems in there. <laughs> so, okay. Well, anyway, I need to get going. Okay. Yeah, always good. Good times. Yeah. Uh, and we got your plug-in, too, so. Yeah. yeah. And it even seems to have worked on someone, so that's good, too. Even better, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, let, guys, let me know which questions you actually continued discussing after I'm gone, so we can I can mark. We'll them probably off mostly be hitting ones that we'll probably mostly be discussing the Bethesda the Zenimax buyout, so probably won't have to okay. worry too much. Okay. Anyway. See ya. See ya. See ya. Well, we're definitely doing number five next time. Oh, defo. Definitely. Okay. Hasta la vista. Later. Later. Yeah. So, Will, what do you think? Of uh, Bethesda? Yeah, good old Bethesda. $7.5 billion. I mean, that's that's not the most that Microsoft's ever spent on a buyout. Sure. Uh, How much did they eat on LinkedIn? Like, 25 bill? A lot. Certainly looks like George Lucas got robbed out of Star Wars at this point. I mean, it seems like as much that he just wanted to not have to think about it again, so... True, true, true. That's worth a lot. Also, $4 billion is more than any one human being will ever need in their lives, so... Also true. Hmm. But, yeah. Uh, in conclusion, Max is worth approximately three Minecrafts. <laughs> eh, closer to four. But... So, yeah. Um... Oh, speaking of Minecraft. Yes. Should probably discuss that a little bit. Steve. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I didn't know that there was a name for the second palette. Oh, I, I get I get told this all the time. What, that there's a name for the yes. second palette? I don't want to be Alex. Who the hell is Alex? Oh, it's the girl skin. Okay. I yeah, I didn't things. I didn't know that had a name. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you can see, like, the video game generational divide in the responses to this. Oh, yes. Because it's like, people our age are like, what? <laughs> like, so, at best, what? And at worst, like, f like hideous man-child rage. And people about eh, somewhere between 10 and 15 years younger than us are, like, over the moon about it. Yeah. Anywhere from, like, anyone younger than, like, anyone younger than at least, like, seven or eight years younger than me seems to be over the moon about it. And everyone with kids old enough to play Minecraft also are like, oh, my kids are absolutely loving this. Oh, my kid's gonna play Smash. Yeah. At least it's a break from them actually playing Minecraft. No, my kid, <laughs> my son wanted to, like, immediately play Smash. I'm like, it's, it's not... Not out yet. It's probably going to be out this Saturday because there's some sort of Minecraft thing happening on Saturday okay. right after yeah. the right after the Sakurai stream. So, yeah, but you can you can almost see that divide in Sakurai's like discussion himself because he's just sort of like 
I like Nintendo was like, yeah, you can put you can put Steve in Smash, right? Yeah, he's like, oh, I mean, there's a lot of thought that would have to go into that. It would be really programmatically difficult, and it's just like, and then like his description of like Nintendo, the guy from Nintendo looks over his glasses and says, "You can put Steve in Smash, can't you?" <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, the I hope they're giving him at least one character that only he wants as so. a thank you. Uh, he certainly looks pretty fun to play. Yeah, no, like it, like I, I've I've been thinking about this in two ways. One, he looks fun to play, and that's that's the key here. And two, is I just the the way I would describe it is I am glad that children now are getting to feel the experience that I did when I first played Super Smash Brothers and saw that Link could fight Mario. <laughs> yep. Where it's like, oh, why would I play any other video game now? And it's like, you know, that that's good. It's good that children get to have that. I'm glad that that gets to keep happening. <laughs> No, yeah. I, I think it's great. I think it's a great get by Nintendo. It's because that's it's also great. wise as well. Because like you draw them over, and it's like you get the children, or you know, you want them to grow up with Mario because you need generations nostalgic for all of these properties. So, yeah. hey, the thing you love, that Minecraft boy, he's fighting Mario. <laughs> that Minecraft boy thinks Mario's pretty cool. Yeah. And that trailer was perfect, at least for me. Oh yeah, it's very good. Also, somehow, Sonic punched Mario so hard that he sent him to the Minecraft dimension. Oh, have you seen the the Kirby transformation? Yes. Because these are always incredible. It's perfect. Horrifying block Kirby. It, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's oh, a nightmarish man. creature. Yeah. Say, I, I, so I showed my son the video. I didn't tell him what it was, and he spotted like the Minecraft spiders in the darkness before Steve even appeared on screen. Like, God damn it. That's, that's <laughs> beautiful. Cause that's, that's how it is that like all of those trailers are designed to sort of slow pedal for each, for, for everyone watching. Cause like the first time you watch, like the people who don't, who aren't super aware of the character will like miss the subtle cues, but the people who love that character are going to immediately be like, Oh yeah. It's really great, but yeah. I guess that was a good reveal. It wasn't for me, and that's fine. It looks fun. Yeah, this is like you know, all of us with the arms character they added. That's not for me. I'm sure it's for a, a, someone. Do people play arms? Yeah, uh, a bit. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was really cool. I, the, I thought the trailer was pretty funny. And uh, looking forward to getting murdered by creepers in Smash Brothers. So I'm sure they will incorporate them somehow. Creeper, creeper, that's what be. Oh wait, no. Um, but yeah, so that that looks uh, that that felt like it was necessary to discuss because we care about Smash Brothers. Yeah, it has a great love of RPGs, and therefore we have a great love of death. Especially Fire Emblem. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's funny because people are making like 
obviously wisecracks about them adding another fireman character, and I'm over here sitting like, I, I would. <laughs> There's like a dozen Fire Emblem characters I'd love to see. <laughs> I'm not ready to listen to people complain about them, though, so... No. That's, that's the other thing that's been kind of sad to watch as the DLCs roll on, is the amount that, like... As the amount of characters that are left dwindles, people, like, get way angrier yeah. about each new one. <laughs> In, like, a really unhealthy fashion. Where's Waluigi? No no one should be asking for Waluigi. As someone who loves Waluigi, no one should be asking for Waluigi. They should be asking for Wario and Waluigi, partners in crime, and nothing else involving him. Thank you. Bring back Dance Dance Revolution Wario Mix, where he is the primary villain for some reason. Yeah. So, yeah, that's any max buyout. Do we have dark prognostifications about its implications? Nah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I listened to a lot of talk about, like, oh, you know, the industry consolidating isn't good, and lots of more depressing analysis of it, but... Uh, and that is true, but... It's true, but, you also, know, new publishers Sunny and Max stuff. is the kind of company that routinely makes, like, horrendous decisions. That, and, you know, new companies and publishers pop up all the time and you know, it's only a matter of time before another publisher that size just kind of pops up like it's a big industry it's and here's my uh, broader thought process ZeniMax published a lot of smaller like games that they would just put out and then not advertise them at all yeah. and then act really indignant when they didn't sell or didn't and they them, kept doing it. And didn't or didn't give them enough QA process and destroy. They they a bunch habitually of our time. did not do Haunted like one thing Forge. that I appreciate will likely happen here is that they will probably get folded into Microsoft's QA process. Or Microsoft will probably tell them this game isn't done, go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I'm I'm thinking a lot of like there became a point in like the mid tens where Zenimax just would put out a game and they would say nothing about it. They wouldn't send it to reviewers. They wouldn't say anything. They would just they wouldn't hold any real advertising push either. And people would just be like, are they hiding something? Is the game secretly awful? I don't know. I can't trust it. <laughs> And, like, that would be for games that turned out to be amazing. Like, Doom 2016, I remember being the first one to take the plunge on among my friend group because everyone else was like, they haven't shown anything other than that bad multiplayer beta. Yeah, I, I remember I, I remember all that because it's like, oh, there's new Doom and it not seem to be much buzz about it. Like, yeah, like, no one's talking Doom's... about it. No one reviewed it. Is it yeah. did, are they trying to hide that it's awful? And it's like, no, it's incredible. But they they just had, like... They seemed indignant at the idea that a title should need to be marketed in a fashion. Like, I remember uh, Tango Gameworks, uh, the Shinji Mikami's company, the company that made the Evil Within games. Neither of those games has an advertising campaign. (laughs) The only thing they did was release both of them kind of Halloween adjacently. That was it. Oh, it's a spooky looking game at Halloween. I'll just buy it. Who knows? Could be anything. Evil Within 2 is incredible. Like, 
one of the best horror games I've ever played. Didn't get any kind of buzz. Like, it, it probably sold okay, but it didn't have any real buzz because, like, they didn't tell anyone about it. such a frustrating like it was it's it's like obsidian where like by all accounts obsidian was a nice place to work except for all of the upper management and it's <laughs> like oh new management that sounds good that sounds like it could help you a lot yeah like for good and ill there's a lot of like microsoft is on a buying spree but the the good part of that is Microsoft is usually better as a managerial concern yeah. than the companies, than the leadership of the companies they're buying. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, we've just gone through like a decade of Disney buying lots of stuff. And I think this is in stark contrast to a lot of that where it's like, oh, those things could very well exist on their own. They don't have to be consolidated. It makes no sense. Whereas this, it's like a lot of these companies were struggling to survive and they really yeah, wanted that... to be bought out so that they don't have to worry about that and they can just make stuff. <laughs> That's like the first... Like, ZeniMax is the first one that probably would have just kept chugging along if yeah. no one had bought it. But, like, if you look at something like a Double Fine or an Obsidian, like, those were companies that were always, always teetering on the knife's edge of being becoming insolvent. Yeah. And it's like, it, like in Double Fine's case, it was just that they like to make games that are hard to market. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you your choice ended up being they buy it or it doesn't exist anymore. Either way, you have exactly as few companies as you had before. But... <laughs> If it doesn't exist anymore, everyone else has to try to find a job. Yeah. So I, I would consider that like, yeah, we can have our concerns about the whole Zenimax thing, but I think that in general they've been fairly good about this, in as far as any gigantic corporation can be. Yeah. And that they're probably going to be better managers of. Bethesda and Tango Gameworks and id and all those companies that they just bought in one fell swoop than Zenimax was before them. Yeah. I mean, these things can obviously change, but at least at the moment, the, the people running Microsoft's X, Xbox division are hitting like home runs all the time. And it's also just like the like these things can change. All of these companies were already under a gigantic company's banner. Yeah. All of those could have, like, gone belly up at any point. Like, they are no more likely to just immediately go belly up than they were before. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. It's it's a glass-half-full version of it, but yeah. I, I think that it's justified in this case, yeah, at I, least for the time. Yeah, like I said, I, I really don't think this is this is should be throwing up the red flags like Disney buying all your childhood memories should be. <laughs> Because Disney got real happy on that. Yeah. And they still somehow don't have enough uh, of my childhood memories to legally reproduce Muppet Babies. So. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's staggering to even think about all the weird properties Nintendo owns at this point. And how stupid I was being happy about it because it's like, uh, because I wanted the Fantastic Four movie. Just gonna lay that out there. Uh, when do you think we'll get that? Phase six? 
Who the hell knows? <laughs> It'll be a Disney Plus exclusive. Uh, you know what? Uh, people are talking about how a lot of that is like a downgrade and whatnot, but uh, there's For some properties its own. Yeah, <laughs> to look, looking at the trailer for uh, Wandavision, like I, I am all in on whatever weird nonsense y'all are going to be doing with this. Please, please do episodes of What If that are just What the. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know what What If versus What The is. Yeah, and they're doing a Miss Marvel show. That'll be cool. I'm into that. I can't remember if that was on Hulu or if that is Disney Plus. It's supposed to be Disney Plus. Okay. I think. That should be cool. Yeah. For for those not keenly aware, uh, What If is serious What If scenarios. What The is joke What If scenarios. (laughs) They ha- have names. They have, yeah. It's uh. I I would like to see. I'm not convinced that uh, that Disney would allow such a thing to exist. But yeah. Let's see, yeah. What the? I'm trying to find some like particular ones. About a Spider-Man cartoon. I guess that would have to be Sony, though. Haven't they done a lot of those? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. there's, it's yeah, there's there's a lot of very strange uh, Marvel self-parody content that I would imagine is just never going to happen again. Yeah. No more not brand X. Which sucks, yeah. This, yeah. Uh, obviously, you see, I'm teetering between this sucks and oh my god, Fantastic Four movie, which is the weird position you get put in when one company buys all the things you like. Can't you wait for? Can, can you can't you not wait for Electro to reply? Price's role as Electro. I, what what is what is going on with that? <laughs> that is still the weirdest thing in the world. I, like not even that it's bad casting; it's just weird. No, I mean Jamie Fox is great. And yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he's gonna be great, because so far, we've had. Um, uh, I don't want to say uh, Michael Keaton was weird casting because that made sense to me, but it was like Jake Gyllenhaal. He was the Birdman. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio was weird, and that was amazing. So. It's more just weird because it's like you would think they would want as little to do. With one of the most like poorly received Spider-Man uh, films, I feel like there's got to be some kind of weird story there. I can only assume he sought the role. Maybe, maybe it was like, maybe, so maybe they decided on Electro, and then it kind of ballooned from there, or either he sought it out, or they were like, well, you know, Jamie Foxx is a great actor. Maybe we can get him to give this another shot or something i i don't know like like to me it feels like i feel like jamie fox must be a big fan for some reason because like yes he's a great actor there's a lot of great actors you could convince to be a villain in a Marvel movie especially like you you wouldn't need to persuade someone that heavily like they 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 get people like that all the time yeah so like 
the fact that like they got just happened to get the same guy who was Electro the last time. That feels like something where it's like, does he just really want the role? <laughs> it could be. But yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, yeah. I still remain more interested in Spider-Verse 2, but... Yeah, not gonna lie. Out. I mean, given the, given the logistics of filming with COVID, who knows? Yeah, it's true. They say they're starting in November... I don't know if I wish them luck or not. It's yeah, I don't. I don't know. It all depends. It all depends. I mean, bear in mind that the last superhero movie that I heard about someone trying to film during this immediately uh, had yeah. to shut down filming again because the star immediately got COVID. Uh, yeah, I think we lucked out with the Mandalorian because I'm pretty sure they filmed that all on their weird set, their weird like soundstage. So yeah. they could, that they could kind of, I guess, bubble down for that. I do feel bad about that Batman film. The initial trailer looked pretty good. Yeah. 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 Again, about you know Disney owning everything. I can't wait for the freaking Mandalorian. Yeah, I never watched the first season. Maybe someday. <sighs> What do you want? I know. It's it's very good. It, it's considering all the com- complaining and arguing about Star Wars movies, it seems to be the thing that Star Wars fans did not argue about at all. They just everyone just loved it. So, we'll see. It's going to be bringing some some more characters from the cartoon series to live action. Or at least one, possibly more. So that will be neat. Can't wait to see that. And speaking of which, for anyone who hasn't watched any of the Star Wars cartoon series, those that is the secret best Star Wars of the past decade. So watch those shows. They're there They're for great. you. Yes, Rebels especially is great. Uh, are there any questions in there that maybe we can... Gaijin would not be interested yeah. in... Maybe that, maybe that uh, the question where he's taking shots at Monster Hunter 4. Yeah, that's true. Gaijin would not be terribly interested in Okay, I see... Something about... you. Okay, Monster Hunter 4 is not the best Monster Hunter of verticality... Uh, the 3DS dual screens and the analog pad is a recipe for disaster. Fight me, bro. I will fight you. Uh, well, you're going to have to resolve that outside the ring. True. Uh, post uh, script, script, script. Uh, I think it's PPPS, but yeah. Uh, it baffles me that we haven't had a true ninja RPG. Licensed games don't count. Why Monster Hunter Rise is a first day buy for me. I hope we will get a Strider skin left in the game. I could totally see a Strider skin in that yeah. game. Uh, let me talk about Strider Hero. Let me talk about Monster Hunter Four for a second. Okay. So I don't know what recipe for disaster he's talking about. I mean, the Monster Hunter games have always had complicated controls, and the 3DS isn't necessarily the ideal platform. It's really not that bad. <laughs> um, 
and I don't really want to. I don't actually want to talk about a, a ton because I reviewed that game, and I think it's. I I don't think I'm a great reviewer or anything, but that's one of the few I'm proud of. So just go read that. That game is fantastic. It's the culmination of like decades of iterative development, and the reason I kind of bounced off Monster Hunter World a lot is because seemed to not get a lot of lessons that Monster Hunter 4 learned. Like, Monster Hunter isn't really about story, obviously. And Monster Hunter 4 was perfect about that. It has had little tidbits of story that just led directly into more hunts and kept the game going, and it was fine. And Monster Hunter World, for example, slowed things down way too often. And then did even worse things that Monster Hunter 4 didn't do, like have stupid fights against giant monsters that didn't rely on the mechanics you use for the rest of the game. You may remember me complaining about something like that in a, a Soulsy game, perhaps. And I did not appreciate it in Monster Hunter uh, anymore. I know it's something the series has done in the past, but was basically not in for a lot, and that's one of the reasons I really loved it. And Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter World did a ton of other things like wonky like that. Like, oh, here's a quest where you have to find a bunch of footprints over and over again. <laughs> and Monster Hunter 4 just focused on the action, kept it focused on what makes the series good, and that's why it was it was and is still the best game in the series and as i don't care how pretty your world is or the fact that you don't it's not the hunting field isn't split up into a bunch of stupid numbered segments i i, I don't care it is not as good as four and you can't convince me otherwise listen you can try to fight wheels but he also might just cry <laughs> Yeah, Monster Hunter 4 kicks serious ass, and I'm super psyched that Rise seems to be the sequel to that that I've been waiting for, so I cannot wait for that freaking game. Very, very interested in finally properly playing a Monster Hunter. Yes. I'll play with you, Wheels. Yes. And also, Monster Hunter is better on portable. Boom. Wow. Went for it. Although I did predict years ago that it would find popularity if they put it on a freaking console that people in the West play that sort of game on. So, yes, I, I realized that being on handhelds is what kept the series back here for years, but yeah, I still think it's the better. That doesn't mean that it's not better there. But yeah, exactly. Are there any other ones that just you and I can answer? Uh, let's pop through these. There's so many questions we've like so many. Yeah, I know. And you're gonna have to like write down uh, You're gonna have to like write down which ones we do. Uh, maybe twenty five, I don't think Gaijin cares about VR. <laughs> sure. Write that down. But Hades okay, hold on. It's now your job. Yeah, well I'm gonna pass it off 
to someone else. No, you're writing it down. I could write it down, I'm just choosing not to at this point. <laughs> There, boom, done. Okay, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, after that, I think we'll probably. Yeah, just look at the time. I should get, to, get to sleep. So let's make this the last one. Yeah. Uh, this one is: if there is an RPG made specifically for VR, how would it be different from normal RPGs to account for things such as less accurate reflexivity and player fatigue? I don't think RPGs are terribly suited to VR. No. Like, certainly, if you wanted to do it, you would have to move into, like... So, I'm going to level with you guys. I have a cast-iron stomach for VR. I can... It does not matter how jerky or wobbly the movement is. It doesn't matter how nauseating it is to most people. I can just sit through it, and it doesn't do... It doesn't affect me. I can't play it for more than about two hours, because... Wearing a he headset just tires my neck. <laughs> like, the most you could do is... Like, RPGs don't suit the strengths of VR to begin with. Like, yeah. you can see that in, like, how they did, like, Skyrim and Fallout VR, and have you ever heard of a single person playing a significant amount of those? No. Because it's, like... It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, it's cool sounding, and then you actually try to do it, and it's just super impractical. Yeah, at least with current technology. Yeah, like, ask like me again in five, ten years? Who knows? But yeah. it, it just it doesn't make a ton of sense with what research we have about how to keep people from getting nauseated or tired. Like, I, the most you could do is to really, like, hone in on very small space like this is the the general vr thing like small spaces linear like mild exploration like all none of these like how do you do combat here that like what part of the rpg game loop does vr work with like what part of the rpg game loop is vr good at Nothing. like that's the issue you run into is like rpgs are almost defined by their abstractions yeah like as we've moved away from abstracting combat, we've often moved into abstracting backgrounds in different ways, like abstract out the things you don't need to worry about. And that's what VR is, what part of VR is cool is being able to explore these small backgrounds. So then you have to like decide, well, where do you cut out from other things? And then it's like, well, nonlinearity. Well, the ones that are suited to VR that are, are non are the ones that are nonlinear. Like, in terms of, that would be viscerally exciting to play in VR, the nonlinear ones. But yeah. those don't work. I could think of so, maybe doing, like, a first-person dungeon crawler in but VR. But that just gets exhausting, because all those are gigantic. Yeah, I, I, exactly. <laughs> like, it would be cool to be able to, like, to, to peer around the dungeon and do stuff like that. But then, yeah, that would be exhausting. And also, you could kind of do that without VR anyway, if you really wanted to. Yeah, and I'm just like trying. I'm trying to think of things that are enhanced by VR, and the closest thing I can think of, the closest thing, would be Kingsfield VR. Oh God, 
<laughs> I don't like Kingsfield, but it's one of the few things that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's slow. It's detailed. It's very much about observation. It is not fatiguing. Like, all these are the things that, like, Kingsfield makes sense in VR in a way that most things don't. But the thing is that, no, that Kingsfield VR is a concept that could never possibly pay for itself. <laughs> like, the most you could do is call it Dark Souls VR and then yeah. make a Kingsfield game. <laughs> <laughs> like, that might actually work. That would, there's my suggestion for you. Kingsfield VR is the one that makes the most sense to me. Because it's like, you have to find, like, when you look at, like, the big franchises, all of them are uniquely unsuited to the idea. Yeah. And the other option is, of course, so, like, you need to, if you're going to adapt an RPG, you need to find the things that are already doing what VR is good at. So yeah, there's that's that's just how I'd look at it. I yeah. mean, again, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. I've never heard of anyone actually playing any significant amount of Skyrim or Fallout VR. Somebody just needs to make an MMO called The World, and then we'll be all set. Oh man, I love how man. Every time I think about it, I love how like The World is explicitly like not a great MMO. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just the first one that was allowed again. Yeah, and then like once it lost its stranglehold on the market between Dot Hack and Dot Hack GU, like the World RX is still popular, but it's explicitly like ten million fewer subscribers than the World R one. Excuse me, the World R two RX is from Dot Hack Link Twilight Nights. I have too much ambient dot hack information yes. in my brain. But yes, I finally rid myself of my copies of the first dot hack series, by the way. I hope you at least got a decent price. Uh, somewhat, but I also sold them to a retro shop. Ah, so they can sell them for a really de a decent that, price. That's worth it for yeah. not having to stress about it. But Well, that and like, just help a local business. Yeah. yeah. Felt good, so... Yeah, like the the one of the one of my favorite things about dot hack when you look at it in the macro sense is how much it's like the world R one is made by people like some stupid idiots that bumble into mind blowing success and respond to problems in it incredibly inappropriately and poorly, and then like bumble into a profound loss, like the fire that destroys most of the servers for the World R1 that ultimately ends up causing them to shut it down, and then like reconstitute another game that they're working on into the World R2. <laughs> yes, this is all explicit in the canon. Uh, and like, everyone is just upset that it's not the World R1 because the World R1 was the game that they liked, and this sequel is like still popular, but getting maybe half as many subscribers as the original and full of people that are just like, why can't they just make a legacy server for the original? <laughs> it all I sounds love... very familiar and it reminds me of how much I praised 
those games for predicting MMORPG culture. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. But, like, you know, you get to, you know, the World R2, and it's just like, this is, like, they, they, with, with the, with, with the first four, they were, like, kind of detecting the culture that was nation in the MMO subculture at the time. And, like, expanding it out to, like, well, if what if one of these becomes really mainstream? Like, really, really mainstream. <laughs> and so, like, it was like, here's one with, like, 20 million subscribers. It's crazy popular. Everyone plays it. And, like, you kind of get all of those kinds of players, but there's just more of them. Uh, with R2, it's them, like, reflecting on, okay, some MMOs have gotten popular, but we've also started seeing sequels to them, and people don't actually migrate to sequels that consistently. <laughs> so they started, like, questioning, like, what kinds of people are playing them? Like, how many of them have pasts with the original version? How many of them are just new players? And, like, if observant of, like, the changing online culture that was happening in the mid-aughts when those games were made, and they, they were very prescient about what was happening with them. Uh, I love GU, and I need to eventually go back and play part four of that they added for last recode. Hey, Namco Bandai, please grant CyberConnect 2's like petition to let to commission them to port last recode to Switch because that would be incredible. Yes, please. I will buy it again. I don't I'm, care how many times. Then I'm more <laughs> finally more likely to replay part one and finally play part two. Uh, and part three, which yes. form, which all form an excellent little story arc. I, I love those games. I loved one. I just, it's a struggle to had to replay that just to finally play on two. A PS4. Yeah. <laughs> on a PS4. On a system I don't particularly care for. <laughs> Maybe it'll be so that, easier on the five. Hopefully. If it works. Yeah. Oh, man. If it turns out that's the one that doesn't work, I'll cry. Yeah, that's... That's gonna suck. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's us. That's our opinions. Uh, while we were doing this, I found out that Yakuza Five on PS Five has been delayed by like five months. <laughs> it will not be coming out on PS Five until March. Jeez. Not Yakuza Five. Yakuza Seven. What a silly goose I am. But yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon will be coming out at launch on Series X and later in March on PS5. And I would normally assume that some money changed hands to make that happen, except for like some of the other things make it sound like there's some sort of technical issue with it. Hmm. Because they were also like gearing people up like, your P- if you upgrade to the PS5 version, which will be free, if you upgrade to the PS5 version, your PS4 save will not work with it. So, like, playing it on backwards compatibility on PS5 until then, you're going to have to get used to the idea of you have to restart. <laughs> so, weird. Million questions, no answers. Uh-huh. But yeah, we've given we've given our answers, and it's time for us to hit the trail. Yes. Uh, if you have the personal strength of will, 
of any of the questions we got today. Thanks again to Budai, Shaman, and Fireminer. If you have the strength of will to join them, they will. Uh, you can put questions in the comments section of this very episode, or you can put them in the RP Gamer Discord in the podcast section. It's uh, we love to hear from you. We appreciate everyone that has sent us questions. We especially appreciate Fireminer giving us several million. Uh, it, it gives us, us a lot of excuse to flitter between discuss, uh, discussion subjects uh, so yeah uh, otherwise uh, see you space cowboys